It's another windy day in the woods. I can hear the wind blowing, always blowing. That perpetual wind. Will I ever be able to get it out of my head? So, I'm in the woods again, deep in the woods. Am I lost in the woods? No, I'm on the path. But don't stray from the path. Do not stray from the path. And beware the moon. I could go on like this all day. You have to stop me. You are going to have to stop me. I, I will stop me for you. So you don't have to stop me. But, um, yeah, this is the beginning of a, well, a new mini-series. I don't know how many episodes we're going to run for, but... I have um, I have a new topic, nay, a new obsession, let us say. It all started, I suppose, if I think about it, it all started with an article in the Guardian newspaper about a month ago, and it was entitled The Rise of the Horror Podcast. Hmm. Um, I think it was... The basic thesis, if you want to call it that, was that in our strange days that surround us, um, people have been really getting into listening to horror podcasts, which I suppose is kind of interesting, given that we are seemingly surrounded by horrors perpetually. Um, Maybe that's why we want to revel in the escapism of supernatural horror. So, when I say this all began a month ago, of course, this began a lot, lot before, lot, lot, lot longer before then, because I've been playing around in the shallows and deeps of horror now for several years since I started running Call of Cthulhu, and of course, you know, my my relationship with horror goes back much further than that. And I think I will leave that prehistory for another another day because well if i'm to start going into my first encounters with horror as a genre and my ongoing love for it i think we'd be here all day uh, all week pro- probably all month to be honest because i think i've loved horror probably probably since at least for at least 40 40 years, possibly even longer. So, um, in fact, definitely longer, 45 years. So I remember being fascinated by the Top Trumps horror cards. Top Trumps is a very peculiarly English phenomenon, I believe. Although I suppose the nearest equivalent would would be baseball cards. So Top Trumps are a great concept because it appeals to several things. Collectability. Um, uh, conflict and and nerdery, so the perfect gift for for prepubescent boys. Essentially, there were many many different um, categories and, and genres and types, but you would basically buy a pack of cards around a theme, be that um, cars or aeroplanes or. Um, horror <laughs> or superheroes the marvel superheroes one was was one of the best and each card would have a 
person or a or a vehicle or a thing and it would have a number of stats probably four or five stats and you would just basically just draw the top card of your deck against the, your opponent and whoever had the highest in the particular stat chosen would win the card and then you would carry on playing you didn't keep the cards at the end but um i i think i think similar games were played with baseball cards but someone can correct me if i'm wrong anyway anyway a friend of mine had the horror top trump cards which are amazing they're sort of a mixture of the universal horror monsters more sort of classical horrors and ones i think that they sort of just made up but the drawings were really creepy now who was the top trump in the horror deck well the top trump in the horror deck was an entity called death <laughs> now i'm pretty sure they just made that one up the i i distinctly remember the image of death it wasn't what you'd expect it to be it wasn't a guy in a black cloak with a with a black cloak with a scythe it was this horrible sort of massively long tooth like razor sharp tooth creature with uh with his mouth open in a visceral scream ready to just rend you to pieces it was horrifying as a seven-year-old but compelling so i'm not going to go any further into the backstory of of how i got into horror but that gives you just a little taste and my latest obsession for a falling into it was on the basis of this article which talked about a number of horror podcasts that were popular and good and so i ignored it <laughs> you know as you do because who's going to go do a guardian article or any and, and and you know go go through it with a tooth comb and pick out all the all the references and then and then download you know it's just, it's just too much work but i i posted a link to it in a i think it was in the um good friends of jackson elias uh discord channel and someone replied because i thought well this you know well i think my message was why aren't you guys in here because i i think um the good friends of jackson elias with my friend scott is hands down the best certainly the best cthulhu mythos podcast to my mind to my mind uh, people can argue about miskatonic university and and there's a new one with seth skorkowski and jonathan hook no hook wasn't he a 17th century physicist anyway um <laughs> probably as well but anyway um i was like why aren't you in it um and then someone replied well at least they they put the magnus archives in there i was like well okay well someone likes the magnus archives i might as well give it a go and i did and that's some good shit <laughs> i will put links to all of these in the show notes but yeah the magnus archives really got me started on this road and you know what they are what they are are a series of short stories written by um by the guys at rusty quill so R rusty quill is the production company that makes these and it kind of blew my mind because i was used to two levels of podcasting i suppose um i was used to the sort of good friends of jackson elias level miskatonic university level how we roll level you know that level which i would say is the you know just one step above amateur 
difference that is uh, that is how i'd define it and then there's my kind of podcast the anchor podcast which are pure amateur um not to say they're not good you know i, I listen mostly to those kind of podcasts but there's no real production values in, in any of them um the editing is rough the sound effects if there are any are pretty you know uh imprecisely integrated into the sound mix uh you know a lot of it is recorded over um voip so you know sound quality isn't necessarily very good on the voice and so on and so on they tend tend not to be scripted although uh, gfje good friends of jackson Elias. see i even i can just rattle off the acronym for it um that one is scripted although they go off script the whole time as if you listen to the extended cuts you'll realize but I think Scott actually does script them out, uh, at least bullet points them. I'm not sure if he, I don't think he writes entire scripts necessarily. Maybe he does. I mean, after all, he is the hardest working man in podcasts, as I keep reminding him. How many podcasts can one man be on? Um, I think he must be on at least six. Because <laughs> there's Grizzly Peaks Radio. <laughs> there's How We Roll. There's um, his own podcast, of course. Um, there's um, oh the uh, Western themed Cthulhu podcast. What's that called? Um, Yol Yol of Cthulhu, I think it's called. Um, there must be others. Are there only four? Well, anyway, he does a lot. <laughs> there's probably more. Then I discovered that there's actually a whole other level of podcast quality and I, sh- I i kind of knew this of course because my entry into the world of podcasting was through mainstream podcasts and which are well produced like this american life and freakonomics and um 99 invisible and um you know uh, good you know w- prof- professionally produced and of course bbc radio puts out a lot of podcasts and these are all radio production but but in in our genre in our area let's say of obscuria is that a word? Oh, I just invented a word. Obscuria. Um, marginalia, maybe, is a better word. Uh, you don't really hear it that often. So so then hearing the Magnus Archives, which is a properly produced with, with actors and scripts and foley and proper editing and sound beds and um, original music composed and on and on and on, was an eye-opener. The episodes are only 20 minutes long, maybe, 25 minutes. But... Um, you know, but what you get in those 25 minutes is is better and more compelling than what you'll get in an hour of an actual play. And I do sort of compare them to actual plays. They're, they're similar in many ways. Because in a way, the stories in the Magnus Archives and in a lot of the podcasts I'm going to talk about could easily be Call of Cthulhu scenarios, one-shots, or long campaign arcs. They would all be easily adaptable to the game so what is it about the Magnus Archives that hooked me right from the beginning I think it was the atmosphere it's a clever setup the narrator is a paranormal investigator but one who is very sceptical and whose remit is to to some extent as far as I can tell so far is to debunk these stories he has somehow come into a job 
uh, isn't explained initially. It reveals more as you go through the episodes. But he comes into possession of a of a job to look after the titular titular you like that the titular Magnus archives, which is a collection of mm, I would say testimonies of people who have encountered strange phenomena. And it starts off with, in a way, I suppose, typical urban tales of terror, urban ghost stories. And as it unfolds, you start to realize that there is a meta-narrative going on that somehow links all of these together. It's very mythos, in a way, but also very much the classic horror tropes. The time period shifts backwards and forwards, there's some early stories that are from hundreds of years in the past, others from decades prior, others are contemporaneous with the narrator's story. And the narrator is a really good voice actor, Can't have no idea who he is, and um, <laughs> yeah, the, the kind of... S- the meta narrative going on about these infestations is is horrifying. The they actually achieve their goals very simply. It's done through the telling. Um, there aren't really any sound effects, so to speak, in the Magnus Archives, or at least in the first twenty or so episodes I listened to, which makes it slightly different. It's more like a horrifying story at bedtime. So, highly recommended. There are hundreds of episodes of it, so um, they've been going for a long, long time. Um, and uh, extremely popular, by the look of it. So, after the Magnus Archives, I um, didn't look at the article again. But I I got the bug. I got the bug. <laughs> I listened to a couple of horror-ish podcasts. Um, from from the BBC, um, one of them was called the Cipher. Actually, I think that was the only one, that was that was the one I listened to. It was it's called the Cipher, which is a bit silly. It's kind of sci-fi horror, but but it's it, it starts off really strongly and then fades. And I think that's that's something that actually is very um, very much a mark of these of these story arcs. And I think it's one of the failings of, of all horror, which is why Lovecraft is so eternal. Because the explanation, the revelation at the end is never up, up to the standard of the setup in these, in these podcasts and in a lot of horror stories. Once it's explained, it just becomes something containable, something you can hold in your head and even describe and see. And it's never as good as what your creeped out imagination is thinking it's the not knowing that makes them scary so once you know something it becomes immediately less scary which is which is one of the problems with call of cthulhu is once you know the mythos creatures once you've played enough they're not really scary anymore they're just a bunch of stats um so you have to keep inventing new ones which is more or less what i do now when I can be bothered. <laughs> so I then dug in deep. And since then, I have downloaded and listened to the entire run of 
the left-right game. The Almost the first entire season of the white room, the white chamber. What the hell is it called? <laughs> uh, yeah, the white room. No, I can't remember. Um, the, um, the entire run of Video Palace, which is... Yeah, uh, these are all great, actually. Pretty much, these are all great. And then there's a couple more that I haven't really um, dug into much yet, but s- seem to have promise. Um, and I'm going to have to look what they are. I got it wrong. It's the White Vault, not the White Room. The White Vault. Um, and then Limetown and Alice Isn't Dead. So. These are all definitely worth listening to, I think. Even the ones I've only listened to a couple of episodes of, they, they all have immense promise. They're all superbly well-produced, um, most of them professionally produced. The Left Right Game is actually produced by Q Media or Q Studio or something, but it's, it's done in conjunction with Sonos, so they really pay a lot of attention to the sound design on that. Um, the uh, Video Palace is a production of Shutter. Sorry, Shudder, Shudder, the the horror streaming service, which apparently is is very good. I I haven't got it, so I don't I can't vouch for it. But um, people who've got it say it's very good. Um, better in the US than the UK, apparently. The selection is better. But anyway, um, these are all done with immense attention to detail, and must take so long to put together. I I I shudder to think about how much effort goes into these. And I kind of wonder what the what the business model is as well, because they're spending serious money on them now. Now, something like the Magnus Archives is, um, and I think the White Vault as well. These are professional, but not like they're not done as marketing exercises. The other ones, in a way, are sort of marketing exercises. At least some of them are. Um, but but uh, they have their patrons, and I'm sure they're, they're making decent money from that. But yeah, um, you know, these are all recorded in studios, um, or if not, then they are, uh, each um, individual actor records at home from the script, and then they're edited together. Um, and then, of course, all the magic happens with the foley, the sound effects, and, and the music. So, um, quick reviews, quick reviews, because otherwise, you know, we'll be here all day. Uh, let's start with the left right game which I just finished listening to this is a genuinely scary and creepy tale it's about an urban myth urban legend that if you in any city anywhere in the world if you drive and you take a left turn and then a right turn and then a left turn and then a right turn on, on your first, you have to turn at the first turning you come to. And you keep doing this for 43 turns, I think. Um, some crazy shit will start to happen. You'll basically enter a parallel dimension. <laughs> um, and actually, what's, what's um, of course, the problem is that there are very few places where you can go and, and take 43 consecutive left and right turns. You, you'll end up in a dead end or having to double back or... Um, you know, uh, you know, something, something will happen um, that will stop you doing this. There are some cities in America where you can, like Phoenix, for instance, which is on a grid, and that's where it's set. And 
is a genuinely disturbing story. It's very well done. It has great imagination. The sound effects are superb. This is the one sponsored by Sonos. So they really take immense care to layer the sounds and to position them spatially by using stereo. And um, the writing is very good. The acting is very good. It has this sort of two parallel storylines going on. One is um, the person who actually records their experience of going on the left-right, uh, playing the left-right game. And another one is the person who actually gets sent the recording of, of that experience um, and, and they are then investigating what happens. And i got to say, um, it's probably one of the best things I've heard on podcasts in a long time, except the ending. <laughs> this is where, uh, and I won't say what the ending is, but be prepared that you will not be satisfied at the end. I doubt anyone listening would be satisfied. In a way, it, it's probably the only ending they could have done. Um, uh, but yeah, if you're okay with David Lynch and stuff like that, then, you know, uh, and, and, and giallo films and God knows what stuff where things don't really get explained, you'll be okay. If you want a neat explanation that ties everything up in a bow and gives it to you and leaves it on your doorstep, don't, don't listen to this. Probably don't listen to any of these, to be honest, because I, I don't think any of them really do that. And that's not what they're, they're intended to do. But left, right game, go for it. Really good stuff. Um, the next one I finished listening to, The Video Palace. Again, super creepy. <laughs> super, super creepy. It's, um, it's neatly done. It's, it's by a company that streams videos as horror video streaming and it's about a video rental place that has videos that you can't see anywhere else, videos that you can't get anywhere else, videos that do things to you when you watch them. Um, it's so much more evocative and elegant than something like Ring, which is a great movie, but it's kind of quite one-dimensional, uh, the video that kills you when you listen to it. This is far more nuanced and subtle and scary, I think, um, without any imagery, just with sound and voice. Um, again, a <laughs> very inconclusive ending, so be ready. Don't go into these. Um, you know, I've, I've given you fair warning. Um the, the, the sounds in it actually are quite disturbing as well, uh, as they are in some of them. And this is something I'll come back to at the end. The White Vault. I would say this is not as good. It started strongly, but it gets a little bit repetitive after a few episodes. And I, I, I hope it manages to come out of the tailspin um, because it's it's just kind of going around in circles now. Um, but it's a really great premise. It's very mythosy. Uh, a team of people go go to Svalbard in the Arctic Circle uh, to investigate something. Uh, there's been a problem with the uh, the station there, the monitoring station there, and uh, yeah, bad stuff starts to happen. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Bad stuff starts to happen. Um, the acting can be a little bit annoying in places. You can tell that these guys are not fully pro. They are amateurs, but really talented amateurs. 
and um, hats off to them for what they've managed to achieve. But um, I, I feel like they dragged it out a bit too long, even though it's only you know ten episodes. They they should have been more concise, I think, with it. The other two I mentioned, uh, Limetown and uh, Alice Isn't Dead. I haven't listened enough to to give them a full review, but on the recommendation of um, of uh, Tear Them Apart podcast, um, they they referenced this. I tracked down a quite an old BBC adaptation of Salem's Lot. Um, I don't know when it was done. It sounds a little bit old. It's on YouTube. It's free. You can listen to it on YouTube. It's in seven parts, half an hour each. It's brilliant. It's really brilliant, really, really surprisingly brilliant because I've never seen the whole of Salem's Lot because it, it looked so terrible, the bits that I did watch. It's really cheesy, the TV, the TV movie of it. Uh, didn't really seem scary at all. Even even at the age of 12, it was like, eh, that looks kind of naff. <laughs> but the um, the audio drama... I don't know if it's scary exactly. It, it, it is in a way, but it's just brilliantly done. The acting is really good. The sound effects are great. The pace is superb. Um, I think it covers a lot more probably than the movie can because you can do more. It seems like you can fit more in. You don't need establishing shots <laughs> in in a, in a podcast. You don't need all the stuff to get you from one place to the next like you do in a movie. You kind of need these linking things to get you from one scene to the next here you can just you know you can do other you can you, you can do it quicker and you can you can have narrative bits like whether you're kind of talking about the past and so on and so on anyway it's really really good and i've just started listening to the adaptation of american wealth in london also by the bbc so yeah, I've dived in deep, as you can probably hear. So my, my other podcast listening has, has gone down the toilet, gone down the chutes. Um, apologies to my anchor buddies. Um, I will get back to you soon, um, maybe, hopefully. And But what what this kind of makes me realise, makes me think, it, it, it's made me think very deeply, in a way, about what you can do with sound, with audio, and, and the horror you can generate. Because... I'm I'm making horror podcasts on on Grizzly Peaks Radio, but they're not really horror and they're not really scary. <laughs> I don't think any of them are scary, and I like to I like to play around with that a bit. I think I actually want to try and see if I can make them scary. Now that I've realised how creeped out you can get just by voices and sound, I really want to explore this. Um, I think, again, it comes back to this thing of the picture you create in your head is better than any multi-million dollar Hollywood special effects scene. It just is. And so audio drama is, is a fantastic place to, to explore that. Now, our actual plays aren't audio dramas. They're something else. But I think what I realize is I, I, I want to... I want to be inspired now by all these horror podcasts that I'm listening to. Um, they they have affected me on a level that I was, you know, I I wasn't expecting. Um, I think they they hit upon three the three pillars in a way of Stephen King's, um, you know, his horror trifecta 
you, you could call it. Um, and remembering it from off the top of my head, so I'm probably going to get this a bit wrong, but he posits in his essay on horror that there are three types of horror. There's the ick factor, which I think he describes as something slimy dripping on your arm in the dark. There's that kind of squelchy, um, disgust, revulsion horror of just nasty, rotting, stinking, mangled things. Um, then, then there's the, um, which I think he calls, he calls it gross out horror. Then there's the, the sort of horror of, 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 of shock, of, of something, you know, horrific appearing in front of you, something, something, um, genuinely terrifying, like a, a monster, really, I suppose, the, the appearance of a monster that, that, uh, you know, you know is going to tear your throat out. Um, but then there's the horror of something you see out the corner of your eye, and when you turn your head, it's not there. And, and actually, I think that these audio dramas, they do that last bit really well. They actually do the first two pretty well as well, the gross out horror and the, and the kind of shock horror. But the, um, the thing you see out the corner of your eye, that's, um, that's great. Now I'm just going to quickly look because I think I've got the middle one a bit wrong. I really want to get this right because it's going to help me. Oh, so surprisingly, I actually got it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it right. Um, kudos, hats off to Andy. He actually gives them these neat definitions. Uh, so the first one, as I said, is the gross-out horror. The second one, he calls it the horror, <laughs> um, which is the horrifying sight, the uh, it, um, the giant spider, the, the Dracula. Um, and then, yeah, the, the final one, he calls it terror, which is something that, doesn't reveal itself but just insidiously gnaws away at you and i want to play with these i think i've done the first one pretty well i'm pretty good at the gross out horror um which if you listen to um some of the berlin stuff and later later episodes of the surrey enigma the final couple um I, I i think i do it pretty well um I'm not sure I, I, I'm not sure I do the, do the horror, the middle one, the, the, the appearance of horror. I'm pretty sure I don't do terror at all. And, and so I need to, to think about that. But, you know, it's, it's not just me. I'm the GM. Um, but it's a, it's going to be a joint venture, <laughs> so to speak. So, um, watch out over the next few episodes. I will be having a number of fireside chats with some of my collaborators players, editors, um, inspirations about how we can create true horror. We can create the sound of terror. Terror. <clears throat> Try that again. The sound of terror.